A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're here to uncover the secret plots at play in our recap of Episode 3, Betrayed, of Marvel's Secret Invasion on Disney+. We'll walk you through the whole episode, pointing out things you may have missed and throwing out theories about what it all means. And stay tuned until the end of the show for Comics Corner, where Jean is going to get into the comic book comparisons. Have the first three episodes been what you were hoping for? We'd love to hear what you're thinking. Email your Secret Invasion feedback and theories to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form. Or record us a voicemail and we can include it in the next episode. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary and we're going to be sending every patron, everyone who's subscribed at the end of July, a cool sticker that has our logo on it uh, as a thank you gift for all of the support you guys have shown us. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast, and I'll have a few more details about that, as well as our programming schedule for the rest of July. Finally, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned in to the Lorehounds MC Universe. All you need to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful, even if it's just a few quick words. We read all the reviews, and they mean a lot to us. All right, uh, Jean, we are halfway through the season. What did you make? Oh, wait a minute. Before I ask you that, I think we should probably do our generic spoiler warning. Yes. 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 So we're going to be spoiling all first three episodes of the series. Everything in the MCU and associated <laughs> comics is up for grabs. Is that a fair call, you guys? Very fair. Okay. Yes, let's let's uh, play it safe. Everything's right, yeah. on the table. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just be careful. So anyway, Jean, what did you make of this uh, third installment of Secret Invasion? Ah, uh, I had a tough time with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a tough time with 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 the story. Um, there 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 are things that we'll get into that I I didn't particularly like. Okay. Um, and and there's one um huge missing piece that I think is bothering me the most, then we'll talk about that in the comics corner. So, you know, stick around for that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, 
but yeah, I I'm I'm torn between this this idea that Nick is such a really smart person and a and a really good tactician. Uh-huh. And he's not shown that at all in this series in the first 3 episodes. Um and the reason why I say that is not because of who he's dealing with is because who he's not dealing with um okay he has too many there are too many people on the sidelines i i feel that there's no way that given the gravity of the situation that he wouldn't bring in it just seems improbable to me that he wouldn't have reached out to um other characters within the mcu that he um knows well could help with this entire um, situation. Mm -hmm. So it's clouding um, a little bit of how I'm viewing the show because I, I really uh, understand what they're doing. This is a a Nick Fury driven. And I love it that it's Nick Fury driven because I wanted to see him back on screen, but I'm still struggling with the fact that he hasn't reached out to other principals in the MCU in order to help with, this situation which is something i feel i feel like he would do yeah, okay. i notice this is a problem a lot of comic book readers especially are having just because in the comics it's such you know it's such an epic globe spanning story and then this one is obviously a much smaller production um so i wonder if that's something that yeah i mean david you're not a comics reader are you no. feeling that same frustration Am I feeling the frustration of... uh, that uh, it should be bigger? That he should be reaching out to more? Well, I think this gets in that touches on a uh, thing that I've always had about the MCU properties at large, movies and television shows outside of comics, and I understand the way of it working in comics, but in TV and movie it, with a unified universe, it's a little bit confusing to me. There's so much damn stuff happening on the earth and to the earth and with humans <laughs> and we have Eternals and we have uh, mutants and we have, you know, uh, space gods flying through and everybody else on the earth is just sort of do to do or, you know, going about our daily lives. And this is like catastrophic existentially, you know, but if it happens all the time, then, you know, you just all kind of the become, time. You, then you become complacent. Yeah. Well, there you go. And it just, it gets a little confusing to me about how, you know, and, and I get it in the comic book world and you can do a lot of different things with the, with the comics. And I think that layering of deeper level stuff is, is fine. It's, it's just a lot. So that said, coming back around to your point is um i guess the way i would view it is there's there's two things one as a show uh, what can we afford how much budget have we applied to this production uh, can we bring in other actors or characters or other special effects okay so like setting that aside that part aside mm-hmm. um there i i can buy the story a little bit in that there's something very personal going on for Nick Fury here, and we're definitely getting into his world. And I guess this goes into my summation of the of the story is, is that so far this season, the show is operating on two levels for me. One, there's the surface production level, which hasn't been great, but it isn't terrible relative to other shows. I think, I think the I style expect- is good for me. Mm-hmm. I like the style. Right. 
I think I was expecting a lot. So maybe I think um, one of our Discord users, Rant Almore, said, you know, I don't see how that poor detail is any more egregious than most TV. And I think they're right. Mm. I think that that there's a lot of television shows. Sorry, Jean, I'm totally taking yours. No, <laughs> no, you, no. Alicia no, got we're me. Getting yeah. into it. We're getting into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got me started. Yeah, let's go. Um, that, uh, you know, if you... You know, if you watch some shows on CW or on the Sci-Fi Network, I mean, if you, you know, Farscape or The Arrow or, you know, any of these kinds of things. Uh, what was another one? Uh, Sleepy Hollow, I remember. You know, I'm just trying to think of av- mid-level average shows that get decent viewership, get a few runs of a season, have a few nice names attached to it. This show, Secret Invasion, I don't think is any worse or any better than yeah. any of those. It just gets more was, attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I was expecting more. Yeah. A lot more attention. And, and I think I was expecting it more. So maybe if I let go a little bit, it's, it's fine. That's on the production level. On the deeper plot level stuff, I'm really intrigued. Is um, Nick Fury all that in a bag of chips? Mm-hmm. Good question. What motivates Nick Fury? You know, why is he how did he marry a scroll, right? You know, uh, and, and fall in love and interspecies and personal stuff. Where has he been? What is this saber thing? Uh, you know, world geopolitics, you know, what does it mean to be a spy? What does it mean to be a freedom fighter? What does it mean to advocate for your cause? What does it mean to rally your people around a cause? All of these things are deeply fascinating to me. Right. Are they executing those ideas? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have the same thing that there's uh-huh. uh, I'll get into it more in a, in a minute after Jean finishes his thoughts. But I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, it's open discussion panel time. Um, mm. But I yeah, I think that there's, uh, you know, you touched on something that I'm feeling uh, that there's between intention and articulation, you know? Yeah, uh, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And and to be clear, I'm not expecting you know, like Thor mm-hmm. you know, to come flying and right you know, down in a bolt of lightning like he did in, you know, um, Avengers or anything like that. That's not, mm-hmm. that's, that's not what I'm talking about. No, but I just like, this is a story they, you expect more. Yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. They, they chose to call it this name. Yeah. That is right. Exactly. And, um, there are characters within the MCU that are really super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have superpowers. Like, what about Darcy but, here? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, where are those characters? Yeah. How, right. how are they not involved in trying to stop a Skrull invasion? Right. Um, and I understand that it's, it, this is a Nick um, Fury-driven story, to your point, David. Right, which is what I was going to bring again because he's yeah. it's personal for him, and he it's, says I, that in one of the trailers. Yes, and I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, and I yeah. do appreciate, it. and I think it's it's a story that Nick about Nick Fury that's being really well. Because he told. fucked up. I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really you know into promises, promises his story. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm into it. I'm invested in it. I want to see how it plays out, and like you said, his motivations and promises, promises, all of that stuff. Right, that was a song. Promises, promises. But, <laughs> I I really feel like even this this being so personal to him mm-hmm. that it just feels off that he wouldn't use every resource available right. to him okay. in order to combat what's going on even if he lied and had you know half truth being told to certain people in order for him to um get certain outcomes 
it just doesn't feel yeah it just feels off to me that he's going solo to this extent okay okay um so that's that's even to just call up somebody and say I'm calling in a favor, sworn yes. to secrecy. Yeah. I need extra eyes on the backside of this. Can you, you know, cover my cover my six, whatever? Someone who's not in the spy game. Right. You know what I mean? Someone who's not, you know, a counterpart in MI6 or mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the Russian intelligence services or wherever. Someone who, right. you know, is outside of that. I just feel like he's savvy enough to have called in a marker. Okay. Yeah. And he hasn't. Unless so there's a reason. Right. right Unless right, it's right. a feature, not a bug. <laughs> exactly. So he hasn't so far, but that's bugging me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it's bugging me up to this point. So hopefully there's a big reveal at the end some point. But yeah, that that was really what stuck out to me. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me is like, why Gaia? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, I didn't see the utility, the purpose in, in that. I, I, I really didn't see the purpose in, in her being off. That's, you know. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> this is a pretty bloody show. They're, they're taking is. people out. They're taking, but who are they taking out? Right. They've taken out Soren. Yeah. They've D- taken Maria. Out Maria. Gaia. And now they're taking out Gaia. I mean, watch out, Vara slash Priscilla, because Nick's down uh, down one motivating female. Right. Yeah. So, what what are we? What's the story here <laughs> that's being told? But it's also like, my my issue is not just with uh, who's dying, or you know, I still think. I mean, I'm pretty sure that guy is a fake out death because uh, um, we have every reason from the trailers to believe that. <laughs> um, but in you know, I'm still I'm still in team. Maria's not really dead, or some right. version of Maria's alive. So okay, fake out deaths are still annoying. And why is it female characters? But beyond that, why are there so many other little things in the writing that just rub me the wrong way as a woman watching this show? Like just as one small example, you know, in this episode we get. Uh, Talos going into Bob's house pretending to be Bob and he's like, oh, just escaping the old ball and chain and, you know, right. which is yeah. the most cliche <laughs> yeah. way to put it also. Right. And then, um, and then, you know, one of the guards is like, oh, I feel that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's all these little comments like that. And, and like the fact that um, the, all of the, all of the women, except for arguably Sonia, all of the other women have mostly been plot devices rather than fully fleshed out characters. You know, right. like right. their job is to make X and B happen rather than us really understanding their motivations. Even you know, especially Gaia, who on the surface seems the most interesting, but they're not showing us inside yet. So that's and Amelia Clark. Mm-hmm. You have Amelia. Clark, what are you doing with her to, you know, to fridge her that way? If I'm using yeah. the, fr- the fridge, yeah, you, know, comment yeah, you are, yeah, you, okay. are. Well, you are, you are. If if she stays dead, yeah, yeah, right. if she stays dead, yeah, right, yeah, and um, and and the weird thing is, so I had to look into the writing for this, and uh-huh. I noticed that this is the only episode so far with a female writer on it, and it's someone that I really? like, uh, Roxanne Paredes, uh, okay. who, you know, um has first worked with uh, Kyle Bradstreet, who's the showrunner, who's, um, who is the guy who did Mr. Robot. And he helped write the first episode, which was my favorite in terms of writing. Right. Um, 
But this one, I don't know. Like, I noticed that the person who's writing every episode is Brian Tucker. And I, I don't want to say anything again about another writer, but I just realizing that I don't think I enjoy his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially don't enjoy the thinness of his female character. So I'm wondering where Roxanne was in this episode in her writing. Um, I, I think I have some ideas that we'll talk about as we go through. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really like to like things. Um, some annoyances are adding up with this thing and they came to a head in this episode. Uh, I was mad when I finished the episode and now I'm just a little bit annoyed, but still intrigued and totally signed up for the rest of this. And I have a feeling going through this, I'm going to be feeling better about this episode even by the end. Two, two comments. Um, one about the writing thing. We also don't know what the writing process is here. And this is part of the IP world of MCU. So who knows what studio notes were being delivered on the rough cuts and what was happening in rewrites and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so Roxanne could have done a great job and then they could have come around and, and uh, issued pages on the day of the shoot or something, right? Yeah. We don't know. Right. Yeah, we right. don't know. And and that's part of the danger. I mean, studios need and good studio heads. I think Casey Bloys is a good example at HBO where they really let shows and showrunners have their own space but an mcu thing or a star wars thing it feels often the you know you can sort of feel the hands or the fingers of the of the property owners and the studio corporate heads you can sometimes feel things getting pushed or, or pulled yeah. in different ways and who knows what what's happening in that yeah the other thing i, I wanted to and say uh, too, we know that there are the rewrites with the russian invasion stuff so right oh yeah. right okay uh, fair enough um, the other point I was going to make to you, Alicia, too, which is, and into everybody, it's a, to, for all of us, as human beings, we don't complain about things that we don't care about. So if right. we're complaining, <laughs> it means right. we care about this thing. So right. we care right. about these characters, right. we care about these stories. Right. So we're not just throwing mud to throw mud, but it's because we want this story to be successful. And yeah. that it breaks our hearts a little bit when things don't execute, as you said, our, Alicia, articulation to execution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and anyone who knows me at all knows that I, I love Marvel passionately since I was a small child. And right. I'm definitely not one of those like, oh, I'm getting sick of Marvel people. Like, no, I am signed up for every project. <laughs> I'm in it till the end. I just, they're all my babies and I want them to be their best selves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then, you know, the the submarine story. Like, <laughs> I had a small you know, rant on the I Discord mean, about this. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the entirety of that, of that plot was so nonsensical to me. Mm. Because you have, there is no reason for that to have been the impetus in Gravik's mind to start World War III. Mm-hmm. There, he could have done so many different things. Sure. And in so many different ways, things that are so less complicated than replacing people on a nuclear submarine. And, <laughs> and, and so much easier to, to do. Uh, film, right? Because that really looked like some... Oh, nineteen sixties yeah, era. You know, hey, let's jam a bunch of control machines into I, a room. And but yeah. I do think that was the point: is to look nineteen sixties era. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point of the overall production design. 
All right. Because it's like that spy thriller throwback right. with aliens. Right. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, but it just didn't make sense that to me, uh, this guy who's been on the planet Earth for, I don't know, 40 years, 35 right. years, who has uh, lost his own family in a war, um, who is now the the supreme commander general of all the scrolls, would choose such a complicated way to achieve his goal. Right. Like, that makes no sense. The entire, it's just too much work. It's just, it's just too much work <laughs> for people who can, for, for creatures who can shapeshift and become anything that they see, right? Mm-hmm. It, that was just too much planning, too much work to do. If you want to fire some some nuclear missiles, you don't got to go through all of that right. in order to get it to, to pop off. Um, and that was really, to me, that I, I, I just kept watching the story. I'm just like, why? Like, like why? Why not just infiltrate a base? Mm-hmm. Why do you need to have, oh, we shot down a plane, so another yeah. country will react to the plane being shot down, and now we're going to have a full-scale war. Why, right. why would you need to do that? And it was why? UN1. It wasn't even like a, a leader from one of the other countries. It was, it, what, a British sub shooting down a UN plane? Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, which, yeah, which which doesn't make sense because then it does make sense that like later when Talos says, I'll just tell them it's the bad scrolls doing this. When if stuff like that happens, then you'd be like, yeah, I don't know, because I can't think of any other explanation than right. shape-shifting aliens. Like, right, <laughs> right. Like it, it just, it baffled me. I, I, I sat there and I watched it and all I, I, again, I kept saying, why is he doing this? Like, yeah. Why is he, why, why not? You, you could probably impersonate the president. Right. I mean, of any country, you've already sure. got the UK prime minister. Right. Right. What what provocation does she need to in order to, to you know, launch a, a nuclear right. attack? Yeah. She can make up anything that she wants. We've seen leaders do that all the time. He's seen leaders do that all the time. Sure. He's been on Earth. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? He has opinions about Earth and you. Right. So, so yeah. why go through this rigmarole of you know, hijacking a, a nuclear sub where you have to have, you know, everybody in line. Right. And they didn't even hijack, they didn't even take over the captain. The most right. important person. <laughs> the most important person on the sub. Right. That's who you should have. Right. You the missile taken officer, over. the you know, whatever. You just take the three people who need to the, authorize yes. the launch or whatever. Yeah. You got to the other two but couldn't get to the most important one. Come right. on. Right. Come on. All right. All right. What else do you got in your bag here? Um, Sonia, man. Uh huh. Not enough, Sonia. Yeah, she's the best part. <laughs> I I love everything that she that she she's up to. Olivia Coleman is really, yeah. Um, she's a joy. She's a pleasure to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't, you know, like you guys. I I, I don't know, Alicia, if you've watched The Crown. I yes, know David has. Yeah, yeah. I have. Yes, we talked about it a bit on right. here. Yeah. yeah so I haven't, episode. you know, I've seen her in in limited things. Um, but she's just amazing. Yeah, to, to in this role. Um, yeah, it, and I was. And this so, show has some serious star weight to absolutely. it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and I was so happy when you know uh, theories came true that she knew that he placed uh, 
you know, listening device on the owl. Right. That, yeah. That just made my whole night when I watched it. I was like, yeah, thank you mm-hmm. for putting my faith <laughs> in <laughs> recognizing that this person would absolutely know that Nick Fury bugged her. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. that was really cool to watch uh, her explain that I know that you did it. So it is right. what it is. And put an eye patch on the. <laughs> what's up with Vera? Right. Like, what, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. She gets a call. All right, cool. It's all cloak and dagger stuff. All right. All right, I'm, right I'm which okay. is what we're here for. Right. We're right. here for that. Yeah. We're here for Goes to the bank. All right, cool. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. What's, what's going on here? I'm like, okay, what's going on here? This got a safe deposit. What she got in here? No? Opens up the box. And it's just, and it's a regular old, no. nothing special. Just a gun, yeah. yeah. You want a gun? I got a gun. I, I, I get you a gun. I, I go down in the corner and get you a gun. Maybe it's got special scroll killing bullets. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Any old bullet can kill a scroll. Yeah, not, yeah I know. know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so what is the significance of this action? Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm more annoyed. Or if I'm just more interested in finding out what was so important about this whole scene. I think um, they're they're toying with us with the Vara Fury thing. But when we uh, go through the episode breakdown, I'll talk a bit more about why I think that. Because cool, I, I, need, I need some explanations as to why we went through this entire, <laughs> you know, five minutes of, you know, phone call, cloak and dagger, get dressed, grab my keys. Go to the safe deposit box, open it up, and mm-hmm. it's just a gun. <laughs> like it's just, it's I, just a yeah. Gun. All right, so yeah, there are, are some more things that stuck out to me, but I'm sure we will get into them when we do our scene by scene breakdown. Um, but again, overall, I'm I am intrigued, but I was really annoyed at this episode. Okay, you know, yeah, I, I was just annoyed. at this But you're in. But we're we're into. No, the I'm end. not out. Yeah. I'm not out. Even when I'm out, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That there was organic, is. too. That was, that was <laughs> well played. Alicia, do you have anything uh, else you want to toss in as a, a, a general meta comment? Uh, no, but I have lots of thoughts along the way. It sounds good. I think I've said all, I said my piece as well. So, uh, so Alicia, I think we're ready to run through the episode breakdown. And thank you again this week for uh, doing the notes, especially since. You're wrap, mm, wrapping up, not wrapping up. We'll shift dust. You just put out your final uh, episode for the series uh, of the series itself, and you got some more stuff planned. You want to do a little quick shameless plug? <laughs> yeah, uh, we just put out the episode 10 uh, breakdown a little bit ago, a few days before recording. And uh, next up, we are going, we had a, I had an interview with Hugh Howie, the nice. author of the books. Good and, get, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's very generous at this time. Um, he seems like it. He seems like a cool yeah. guy. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so we had a we had a great chat, and we're going to split it into two parts. And okay. uh, you'll see the first half, you know, that follows this regular spoiler rules of the podcast. You know, is focusing on the first season, first half of the book. Wool um, uh-huh. that will pop up on the main Wool Shift Dust feed, and then the second half, which is going to go into full book spoilers, that's going to be on our new uh, Patreon Silo Book Club. Okay. So yeah, nice. So, yeah, we just started a, a book club with uh, with Sam of Silo TV fans fame, and we're going to be going through the books one at a time, and then doing a rewatch of the entire series with like all the book spoiler stuff that I couldn't say on the main podcast. Oh, nice. Awesome. That's nice. Yeah. 
Sounds like a fun project. Where Where's the patreon.com slash? We'll shift dust. Nice. Easy. No hyphens, just all no one word. No hyphens, we'll shift just dust. one awesome. word. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we can throw a link in the show notes for that. So uh, if you're into the wool shift dust thing, definitely check out that and give Alicia some love because she is putting her heart into a lot of these projects. And so yeah, it's just really good. Listen. Yeah. Thank you. Listen up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, congratulations, we, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we have uh, also a bonus episode coming up where both of you will be there. Yes. <laughs> and John and Luke. We're having a full crossover. Ooh, yeah. Full house. So we're just going to like, uh, we're going to give some uh, awards out for, you know, our favorite <laughs> characters, saddest deaths, things like that. Sounds like fun. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's get into the episode breakdown. But first, let's take a quick break. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, we're back. Alicia, why don't you run us through the episode breakdown? All right. So we open the episode with the mission briefing. We've got Pagan, you know, the right-hand man of Gravik. Uh, he's briefing Beto, the, you know, new protege, and also a an, another um, scroll named Xerxu, but I just kept calling him Redshirt as I was watching in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know Xerxu. Xerxu is a name from the comics, right, John? Yes. I don't think we need to... Yeah, I I think it's just. I, I, I agree. He's a red shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just a bone. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Beto, he's you know he opens by asking you know he's a potential moral check of this group. I'm keeping my eye eye on him on that front. Um, and he's asking like, do you think it'll work bringing pay- chaos? And you know he he says he didn't. He joined up because he didn't want to keep our people to keep running. And then Pagan responds, like me, it wasn't fear of the past, but faith in the future. And faith is built on risk. Now, I find it interesting that they brought up faith. It feels like another nod to the comics, doesn't it, John? It does, because we, we spoke about it a little bit in the last um, episode that we did, is that the Skrulls are a very religious society. Mm. Um, so they have uh, this built-in belief system that we haven't been really privy to in either the movies or up to this point in the TV show. So, yeah, yeah it's really, um, when he said that, that struck me like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. they're, they're at least recognizing some of the religious uh, overtones that Skrull society does have, and it and it plays that that way because Gravik is really like a messianic type of figure. Right, at this I was gonna point. say it feels like worship of Gravik is the religion now. Absolutely. Absolutely. At least so for we'll that, co- that faction. Yeah. Well, uh, Gravik sending the three of them to infiltrate the HNMB Clyde HM Royal Navy base in Scotland. And so he's handed them, each of them, uh, a new identity. So uh, Redshirt becomes an EMS officer. Beto becomes a captain. And Hagen becomes a lieutenant commander, or if we're doing it British style, lieutenant commander. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cannot do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, their target is they, they want to send a bomb from a sub called Neptune to a UN to UN Flight 819 at 
2200 or 10 p.m. on the dot. And that's the uh, operation that Jean was saying. Mm, Why is it so complex? Maybe is it it camp? Is that why it's so complex? What do you think, Mm. David? I, yeah, I don't know. I have no answer. (laughs) (laughs) No explanation. I'm down for the impersonation. I'm down for high stakes bluffing. Oh, you've got to get through, you know, these, uh, you know, various challenges to, you know, to get to the a MacGuffin, but you know, to get to the, the objective, I'm I'm all for that. I did think about one thing though, because didn't they, towards the end of the episode, show us a scene of all of the people lined up in those pods with the little electro zappers at their Mm -hmm. temples. Is that something the way I, and that's what coming back around to this scene, do these guys know stuff about these officers that they're impersonating, you know, with personal details and a, a greater sense of, impersonation because they're tapped in somehow to these dudes that are, you know, yes. everyone who's being plugged in. Yeah. I was wondering that I was going to ask you about that, John, because it's looked like, like they just changed based on a photo, but you must think they must've taken them out of play. I don't know why they wouldn't show that to us, but that must be no, what happened, uh, right? Exactly. I think that it, they've been taken out of play. Again, they didn't show it, show them to us, but like to David's point is they really do have, the memories of these people that they're impersonating. Right. So that's how uh, I guess the son will get to the, right. the son of the um, yeah. Commandant. Do you inherit? Right. Do you get love with memories? Yeah, it's, exactly. Mm, that's an interesting it, question. See, this yeah. is where the show is working at this other level. Yeah, well, yeah. that's yeah. actually an interesting yeah. concept here. They inherit. They get all of these these memories. They get the the little. They don't get the little ticks and traits that every individual has though you know the the little things that differentiate john from john mm-hmm. and <laughs> alicia from alicia you know what yeah. i'm saying elijah crew. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> exactly so they don't get those little you know ticks down but they get the general backstory history of the person once they're hooked up to the machine. Okay. And uh, yeah, and then we, we cut to Pagan um, in his new lieutenant commander role, sitting, you know, as as like the older white guy sitting at the controls for the nep- uh, for the Neptune. And we don't see the other two again this episode, but we saw they entered the base with Pagan. So presumably they'll be popping up next episode, especially given how things are left. Yeah. And then we see the, um, we saw last time, like the science ball, magic science ball, where they were putting the DNA samples in. Now we see a giant man- magic science ball. Yeah. Gravik greets the council, of course, without Shirley. I, I also miss Shirley this episode. <laughs> Gravik says, we no longer just change faces, we change powers. And then we see like the right. Dr. Dalton working on this DNA that's green and like pulsating with these squishy green bubbles. And he talks about like, we're we're doing this like all of us, but does he mean himself? Does he mean the council? Does he mean the warriors? Does he mean all scrolls? Like, who do you think he wants to give these powers to? When he said all of us, I immediately, I, I thought everyone. Okay. Really? And then after, you know, I calmed down a little bit. <laughs> I was drinking some tea. And, and I thought about that. And I'm like, would he really give super scroll powers and abilities? To every scroll. Yeah. I. That's a bit yeah. dangerous, right? I think he's limited in his scope about who is about to get these powers. He may have been talking about the council, or he may have been talking about the people who are closest to him. Right. So 
I I disavowed myself of the thought that he was he he was speaking for every single scroll. But then again, as I said that on this podcast right now, I just thought, what if he is talking about every scroll? Because there is another scroll colony. Oh, oh, right. That Good is, pick. Mm-hmm. That has an emperor who is supposedly, you know, these million scrolls did not like how he was running <laughs> Whatever things. Whatever was, yeah. How he was running things. So what if he's going back to what the scrolls are, which is an expansionist uh-huh. society? Yeah. yeah. So maybe he is talking about every scroll because he's looking further out than just earth interesting bigger designs than just being uh just to have a colony but to actually have have a stepping stone to rebuild their empire to rebuild their empire with himself at the head of it absolutely of course yeah Yeah. insert mustache uh, (laughs) (laughs) mustache twisting twirling absolutely i'm glad they didn't drag out the super scroll reveal um yeah we know agreed we know that he's already at least taken on Extremis because we see that right. later. Um, and we know from the trailers that he's going to have the group power. So I guess. Right. Oh, Extremis, right. That's the heat thing, right? Yes. Right. right. That healed his iron. hand. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, I know that. I <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm curious. That, that's my question right now for that part of the plot is like, okay, so Scruples, Super Scrolls, we know on the table, this is going to be that kind of show. Um but what does that mean? Who gets to be super scrolls? Uh, is it just right. him or is it going to be spread out? Um, yeah. And then we, we take a step back in time again to uh, New York in 1998. So this is one year after we saw the Operation Spy Scrolls begin and 27 years after the present in the MCU. I mean, before the present, sorry, in the MCU. And um, we see uh, that young Nick Fury again and we see young Vara or Priscilla. And they have like a really nice little flirty encounter in a in a coffee shop. Yeah, I, I was especially like almost got a little butterflies with that hand moment, you know, where she <laughs> she hands him the envelope with the she bloody like, fingerprints on it and like slides her hand over his and kind of squeezes. I'm like, okay, like they're she's already not being subtle. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with the the de aging action here? Uh, we just saw my spouse and I went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, oh. this last week. Okay. okay. Good, not great. Uh, happy, uh, yeah, happy to have gone, had a uh, had a date night, you know, with a with a kid. Uh, the kid lit away at, at overnight camp. We said, "Hey, let's go out and do something." So, and I enjoyed it. And we had a nice time out. But they did a lot of de aging of of Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. It seemed pretty good. Mm-hmm. This seems pretty good. Is this some AI stuff? Is this just post production using the the standard this, software tools? If or it what's looks going on? if it looks good, it is human. Um, okay, <laughs> there, you I mean, there you go. But it's it's also like we don't really even realize how often it's used. Like how they were talking about it on the um, the podcast on the Ringer called The Town. Um, uh-huh. It was yeah, talking about I, I how that one too. Yeah. He was talking about how it's commonplace now just for, you know, a, a leading actor in a role will just be casually de-aged without, you know, it's not a flashback or anything. They're just Tom mm. Cruise trying to look better. Right. 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 Vogue you know. cover, right? Or, you know, it's sort yeah. of be- back to the beauty mag standard. Like animated right? retouching. Yeah. Because they do look, because when they jump from this scene, this flashback to them then in present day in the kitchen. You can tell that, you know, it feels like time jumps. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I have a question for for the both of you. Um, do we think Varys playing him? Well, 
I think, well, okay, I'm going to talk about, when we talk about Fury's Kitchen more, I'll talk about it. But I think- Fury's no. Kitchen, that's a good restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <Title>. <laughs> I think I think no. Um I, think no. I, I I was very angry with him in the next scene. I'm not yeah. saying that she she doesn't love Fury, but uh, what I am asking. No, no, we're gonna get into it in a okay. second. But okay, uh okay, we're just okay. wrapping up with nineteen ninety eight real quick first. Right. Do you guys think this is when he started calling her Priscilla? Because he calls her Vara in this scene. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's a good call. I mean uh, they had to show us at some point how they came together right there was right so i i that's the, the yeah. simplest i mean that i think I they always had they always had chemistry even from yes. that first exactly last yeah. uh, episode we saw and it's uh, you know from the spy novels that i've read you know that it's you know spy to spy romance is are not uh out of the ordinary because you're in you're cloistered in and and you're you're forced right. close together under the circumstances of of what you're doing the clandestine nature of the work the high wire act of it. There's a lot of emotional stuff there. So uh, I think that, you know, two spies connect in general is a, a normal thing within these stories. And then mm -hmm. having these two with their own personal chemistry really brought them together. And that's the way I, I was reading their relationship. Okay. Uh, okay. Obviously, you know, not to jump the gun, but yeah, there's some question marks about Vara. Yeah. I mean, we have it. She's all in here. She's, I mean, yeah, maybe that's why she courted him in the first place here. Cause she's pushing, he's like, oh, there's rules against commander operative romances. Right. And she's like, our, our unit doesn't exist. I don't work for you. But <laughs> that's actually not what I think, but I'm putting it on the tables. Okay. 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 Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And yet one other fun Easter egg from this scene is she talks about the intel is about Drakov, who is the uh, who's the terrible guy who um, made his daughter Taskmaster and is like the villain for Black Widow. So. Yes. So, yeah, what do I think about Vara when we get to the present time is that I think that it's really freaking rich of Nick Fury to run off into space for like no good reason that he's told her and then come back and start asking her to explain herself. Like mm. what the hell? Um, and I, <laughs> I also think that they're playing with us and they're like not showing some of their interactions. So I do actually think she might be helping him throughout the episode and they're just not showing it to us yet. Okay. So you may be setting us up for a, 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 a twist as to her allegiances actually. So that, I mean, what do we make of that line then that she says, I became myself. I became me, the me I was before you. I think yeah. I think that that's the rhyme, line that was written by Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good line. Right? That's a proper line. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, it's super relatable because, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you um, you tailor yourselves to the version of you you are with them. And right. then and that's a, a process anyone goes through with like a, with a death or a breakup or something is you have to rediscover like. Well, who am are. I without this person? So right. I, I thought that was a really powerful line. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, where where the show is working and is interesting is, it, would Nick Fury, you know, be who he is without the support of uh, the scrolls? You know, uh, would he nope. be as good as he is without Vara, a.k.a. Priscilla? And where the hell has he been and what has he been doing? For me, as a non-comic book person, it's still this ginormous open question. And I was thinking about this today, was how did a million... If they've got a defensive space station up there somewhere, how did they miss a million scrolls landing on Earth? Uh, what is this saber thing supposed to do if not protect the Earth? So 
I got questions. I got questions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I also have questions about why, um, why Fury is watching Stearns. <laughs> and he's like, the he, so Stearns, by the way, if anyone who knows Happy Gilmore, he played Shooter McGavin and he was totally giving me Shooter McGavin vibes in this. Absolutely. And he's like, gleefully like looks like world war three out there better bring an umbrella you know <laughs> so i have to agree with i'm calling her varsilla in my head uh, I have to agree with her, like why is he watching this <laughs> the and just the the it was fun to see it in all of the mcu-ness of everything to see these two actors having this mundane conversation about real you know life. Uh, spousal mm-hmm. life stuff and how the the toll and the effect of living a super secret life, you know, and being an Avenger person, well, all these things, it has real impact on on real people, regardless of whether she's, you know, regardless of their individual roles and positions, they are two still two beings that are, you know, decided to get married and make promises to each other. Ah, more promises. More promises. Yeah. More promises. And he promises while he's retired that he's going to use his downtime to take up revenge. Um, I thought that was, that was that's one of my favorite lines right there. Yeah. That's I was like, I, oh I boy, okay. It's campy, but I, yeah, it's campy, I, I, love, yeah. I love it. I'll give it that. Have we seen Charlene Woodward in anything else? I, I don't recognize her as an actor. But uh, I'm really enjoying her performances here. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she, apparently she's she's a playwright, and it seems like she's been more busy on the writing side of things. Okay, well, her, she's she's delivering her lines and playing her, her role really well. So regardless of the plotting and the scripting, yeah. I, I'm enjoying her performance. She's a two-time Obie Award winner, as well as a Tony Award and Drama Desk nominee. So she's, oh, wow. yeah, right. she's punching. She's got some weight. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah, this this is another one like Gaia, where I'm like, this is a potentially interestingly complex character. Just don't waste her, you know. Yeah. Don't just use her to propel the plot. Like, give me that. Like, give me more of that line that I became me, the me before I was you. Like, show me who that is. That's please. fire, right? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets a call from, and we find out the end of the episode was probably Rhodey. Um, and she's like very crypt- cryptically, I don't have that information on hand right now, and uh, but then. Nick like looks at her like WTF yeah. and she, she says nothing and gives him like a little pick, peck and a smile and walks away. So they're leading us to believe that she's not telling him things, but certain things that happen later make me think that maybe she is. Mm. Did you guys clock her flip phone? It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was so was weird. Was it a Samsung? Or? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. It's I, I don't know how many people are making the clamshell yeah. flip phone things anymore. No, 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 no I think I, it was a Sam. I'm used to my mom has that clip phone because she used to work for Samsung. It's okay. uh, yeah, yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. You know, I was like, wait, I'm not used to seeing that motion of because she picked right. it up with both hands right. and did this right. very deliberate opening right. thing. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. But uh, that means she's eligible to be a bad guy because she doesn't have because Apple won't let bad guys use their, use um, their no, no way in TV. True? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, yeah. Well, that is wild. Well, the Apple, if they want to flex, <laughs> they can, right? Yeah. Um. And then, so then we we switch to the scroll side of things. Well, the other scroll side of things, at least. <laughs> and we get uh, we get Gaia's wake up call. And so Gravik he comes into this like bunker and confronts her about that safe house bust. And her response, I don't. 
like she wasn't even selling it to me, but her response <laughs> is like, uh, oh, he was tortured. So Brogan just like made an educated guess about where the safe house was and he was weaker than you thought. And then it just make herself look even more shady. She says, I'm a good liar. Um, <laughs> right. Why would you say that? Yeah. Yeah, and you're a scroll. Yeah. All of y'all lie all the time when you're impersonating yeah. people, right? So we know that you need to be a good liar. So I don't know. I thought that was a throw, a weird throwaway line. Yeah. And I, I thought it was also, it was interesting. So then Gravik, you know, he has this series of uh, expressions that cross over his face where he's sort of like processing her just yes. flat out saying that. And then he's like, okay, tomorrow morning early, you're coming with me. And she looks a little scared because. We know from the last episode, he's got an appointment with her dad. She doesn't. But then they don't even play it out because in the beginning of the next scene, as soon as they're in the car, he's like, oh, by the way, we're going to see your dad. Right. So I don't can know. I, can yeah. I just say one thing about this scene? Go for why, it. Why, why, why is she sleeping on a gurney? Uh, what, like, <laughs> yeah. This, this, again, this goes back to my, my first episode. I, I, I can't divorce myself from it. There's, they're living in what appears to be squalor. Mm-hmm. And I just and an don't old, understand why nuclear. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand why. You know, because they can, I guess, so that we I, as I, viewers know they have it hard. We feel sorry for them. It'd no, be hard. I don't, to I, don't, I don't feel sorry for them. <laughs> it, it doesn't work if that's it's, the it's not working. Yeah, it's not yeah. working. It, 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 it makes me feel. You know, I, I don't even know what it makes me feel mm. because if I'm supposed to to look at them and say, "Oh man, look at these poor scrubs." Look, how they're living it's a choice that's being made by the leaders to live in this way right right it, i understand maybe not wanting to draw attention to yourselves by you know building up a, a beautiful but you're you know, dra- you're you're drawing more attention to yourself by centering all of this bustling beehive yeah. activity in and you know uh, in a place where people you know, they're conceivable. There's local inhabitants somewhere nearby. No, I mean, but if it's a, no, if it's it's a, a nuclear, nuclear fallout, then right. no. Then oh, right. Oh, was right. that that was wasn't that they established at. that originally? Yeah, right. that's that where they're at. Be radioactive, yeah. exactly. Right? So nobody's around. So there's right? no there like are no humans around. Place, yeah, yeah, exactly. There are no humans around. So I'm just struggling to understand why, even if the outdoors, why, I mean, the yeah. outdoors, you know, from the outside it looks terrible. Why are they squalor inside? Inside still squalor like right yeah why can't the british prime prime minister send them proper beds <laughs> yeah yes absolutely absolutely or yeah. or something you know familiar to to what they had on their home world mm. right why are they perpetuating what they what he hates about humanity right this is part of what he hates about humanity letting people suffer right so mm. why are i mean gravic is just like Nothing but hypocritical 24-7 as far in my book. 24-7. So when he woke her up, it's dark, it's dank. It's, you know, she's sleeping on a a hospital. I actually looked at the thing. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, I looked at it just now. It looks like a desk. She doesn't even get a bed? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So, um... Poor, probably poorly rested Gaia and uh, Gravik. They arrive on a plane, quote unquote. But actually, Twitter Twitter user Matt J. Johnson told me that they filmed at least one Russian town in Leeds. So I oh, think wow, they filmed okay. most of it in the UK. But yeah, understandable. Yeah, and then 
we see like we see right, they go from a sleeping on a desk to to landing in yeah. a private jet anyway priorities i guess or maybe maybe he's got like got graphics got some sort of like monk uh mentality where you know you right. must suffer to embrace life whatever uh-huh. um <laughs> but then yeah he that. he lays out like the clearest test or, uh, you know, that I've ever seen on a spy show, even like side eyeing her like the whole time while he's say he's talking on the phone about how this uh, attack is going to go down with the Neptune and the plane and everything. Seems very clear that he's laying it out, but she just types it all into this burner phone that we later see her drop next to Talos. Which is not a fancy flip phone. <laughs> no, it's not. Old school, old school. But I did want to, by the way, I wanted to, sh- yeah, I, I did want to uh, shout out the music, which uh, stood out to me in this part. Uh, and it's overall, I have to say, the music has been quite good for me. And the composer is Chris Browers. So right. I looked him up and he he's uh, he's done a lot of work that I really like. So Chris Browers, that's a name I'm going to be paying attention to. Cool. Yeah, that's, nice. that's absolutely true. Yeah. And then we, we arrive at the museum and uh, we first zoom in on this oil painting called uh, Statesmen of World War One by James Guthrie, which was uh, painted between 1919 and 1930. And it's just it was interesting to me that the way they zoom in on it, especially on Churchill's face where, mm-hmm. you know, um, where, you know, the oil makes his eyes look kind of extra lopsided and stuff. It reminded me a little bit of the of the Show AI opening. opening. Yep. Mm, yeah. 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 But yeah, he so this is this is Scottish realism, apparently, is what it's called. Okay. And Gravick says about this painting, you know, he uses it as a prop to say statesmen spend their time posing for pictures while warriors do all the work in wars and all the dying. And he's going to write his story in blood. And Tello says yours and everyone else's. David, what did you think of this exchange? Well, I like to see uh Ben uh, Kingsley Benadire light up a little bit. He's been right. very um, what's the word he's. He's contained. Stoic. Yeah. yeah he, and he's he's playing. He's trying to play these, you know, this very difficult sort of political leadership role and to see him emotionally, you know, light a fire. Uh, it felt nice to see his range and and to see him uh, really giving us some opinions, which go back to our previous conversation in the last episode about hmm, what history, race politics, uh, all of these kinds of things. So it was. It was a, a fun bit, a fun whatever. Uh, so I don't mean to, to 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 simplify that stuff, but it was um, an enjoyable performance, and and to see him really, you know, push push himself as an actor in this role. Right. So that was my favorite graphic scene so far. So far, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was, uh, yeah, a bit more animated. I agree. I agree. A lot, um, <laughs> a lot animated. <laughs> I think I think the next scene might have been the cafe scene might have been my favorite. If mm. okay. Um, it was spoiled by the trailer, you know, and it was so right. I understand right. why yes. they I understand right. why they include it in the trailer because it's like a really cool thing. Um, but then as soon as it started and they sat down in the cafe, I was like, oh, man, I know exactly what's going to happen. Right. And I wish right. I didn't. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So Gravik uses a lot of sugar. Like this is the second time they've shown us it, his like sugar true, yes. addiction, <laughs> which which versus like and they also made a point of showing us Nick Fury just takes his coffee black, black. which is how I take it, by the way. Um but what do, you, do you think they're trying to like show us something with this juxtaposition? I thought it was a, was it a scroll thing? No. I mean, we haven't seen anyone else do it. Yeah. He's the only one that, that does it to this extent. And you asked the question. I hadn't thought about it, Alicia. I think, yeah. Could yeah. it have something to do with his super scroll powers? Like he I mean, needs he more, was, he's burning more uh, calories? Um, you know could what? Be. That could, could be. be. 
Could be. Could we be. saw him do it though before. I mean, we don't know when he became started to do the powers, but we saw him do it in a previous episode too with all the sugar. I think the first episode. Yeah, I bet tea. it has to do with his uh, his heightened metabolism or something like that. Yeah. So, okay. I was just looking up Ken, uh, Kingsley Benadir. He, he doesn't have a huge. He doesn't have a deep, deep. Um, a he's in a lot of stuff right now, though. Like, yes. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like suddenly there's a there's way more. And I, I'm in, I really want to see him more, more, mm, give yeah. me more Kingsley Benadire. Yeah. Agree. I think he's playing Bob Marley. He is. He's, it's he on is, his, right? uh, it's going to be out next year. It looks like. Okay. And he's going right. to be in Barbie too. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's in Barbie? <laughs> he's yeah. one of the Kens. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I, so I get like no sense of warmth in the history between Talos and Gravik, even though, I mean, you would think that. Talos was, you know, must have some ways been like an uncle figure to him, um, considering he's been in the in this group with Talos since he was a child. Yeah, I don't I don't see any real connection between him and and, and Talos. I think um, when we first met him, he'd lost his family. I think he's closer to, to Vara, who's the person who, you know, brought him to Earth right. than, than anyone else. And then his connection is really to Nick Fury. I don't think he's lashing out at Talos, right? I think the father figure here is Nick Fury. Okay. The, the familiar figure, you know, is, is Nick Fury to me. Um, could be wrong, but... <laughs> and Talos feel... is like his best friend who's just also annoying then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Talos is, is somebody who's just in the way, whereas <laughs> mm-hmm. Nick Fury is the person who he probably, who I think he, you know, looked to for his own know compass you know this is the guy who's gonna make it all right you know what i mean okay yeah and i don't think he i don't think talos was that set up for him based on what we saw in that first episode when he was introduced yeah um and then yeah we get uh we talked about that you know that hypocrisy of of gravik and he's talking about all these miscreants know is murder talking about humans but he's Mm. the one who never stops talking about murdering people and then he says, uh, he says before that, I guess you should be grateful. I haven't sent Gaia back to you in a body bag yet, which mm. I would call foreshadowing if it weren't so heavy handed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I was not expecting that to happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I, I really thought she was like, I wasn't worried about the plane. I wasn't worried about her in the end. And then, well, yeah. um, now he says, he says this line, humans are most formidable when threatened. This is what Talos says. Um, what did you guys think of that line? Because I've seen, I've seen a lot of people like it online, but I had a different reaction to it. No, um, no. I think he's talking about things that are Thanos level, right? <sighs> Graphic is talking about things that are like climate change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like climate change and drugs and crime and murder and all of these things that are the day to day existence of humanity that nobody cares about. That's what's threatening humanity. And right. they don't care enough to do anything about it. Where Talos is like humans, you know, they band together when they're threatened. Yeah, when they're threatened by, you know, an alien invasion or things of that nature. So it's really I think Gravik is more drilling down to the day-to-day existence of humanity and his disdain for why things happen the way that they happen. 
Like we don't deserve this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, Galactics is coming. We don't deserve this planet because we're destroying it. But and, the scrolls are no better. Like he, Gravik literally wants to start a nuclear war. Why, why does, I mean, yeah, again, hypocrisy city. But I think the, the nuclear war is, is a means to rid the planet of the thing that makes the planet terrible. Nuclear war for him isn't a terrible idea. A right. nuclear a radioactive wasteland, it kills everybody who he feels doesn't deserve I mean, and all and all the animals, uh, which presumably they probably also need animal food. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Maybe they have. I don't know. know, I also just think like every every group of animals is formidable when threatened, including scrolls. So, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of attempts to say things are different between humans and scrolls. But other than me seeing like the scroll characters as being a lot testier. I don't really see the difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, but Talos wants them not only to see the difference between humans and scrolls, but he wants humans to see the difference between Talos scrolls and Gravik scrolls. And he thinks if, uh, you know, he tells the public it's the bad scrolls making war that, um, that, you know, they're going to see the difference between the good side and the bad side. And I, I kind of have to agree with Gravik on this one where he's like, you're, you're going to be the one to kill us all because I'm an idealist. But they make Talos look kind of dumb. Yeah. He no. seems very ineffectual in this scene. Talos is kind of white. <laughs> in this scene. I guess so. I guess that, so. That's what it, that's what it is. Gravik mm. is, is lived experience as a human is as a black man. Mm. Okay. We can't take that out of the equation. Equation. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cannot. Yeah. Can't take it out of the equation. Okay. His lived experience on walking on the earth is that of a black man. So especially what, when they, from what we know, right? And when right. we've seen all other scrolls, we don't see uh, a, a, an actual representation of humanity's diversity in scroll very representation. Limited. Very right. limited, and most right. of the time, Beto, yeah. Beto, Vara, mm-hmm. Varric, mm-hmm. um, Rody, <laughs> Shirley. Uh. Um, <laughs> the the other man's name escapes me. Um, on the council, I can't remember his name. He hasn't spoken to us yet. Oh, um, the the Asian guy, uh, yeah, Jack Hyukbin, I think yes, is his yeah. character's name. Yeah. So, you know, we everything that that Gravik said in that scene is like, yeah, it makes sense for him because he's walked this earth, you know, as as a white guy. <laughs> you know, what doors have been closed off to to him in his human form? Mm. We can read as to, uh, at least the way I was reading it too, is that that's some of his motivation, uh, or not his motivation, the intensity of his motivation. Right, right. So, and then right. for him to say, I want them to see the good and the bad, to make the differentiate between the good and the good scrolls and the bad scrolls, man, that's, that's the conversation that black folk have been having in, in the Western hemisphere for mm. generations, mm. right? And Gravik is the one to realize, like, we're all just scrolls. Mm-hmm. Right. When it comes okay. down to it, humanity will see us all as just scrolls. Right. 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 Sadly, I agree with him on that point. Um, so then Gravik, um, he says that Gaia's gonna he's like, Okay, so Gaia stays with me. And we see the first of two times where Talos absolutely flips out as soon as anything is said about Gaia. Like this is like a 
total trigger hair pressure point for him. Yep. And he just, he knifes Gravik in the hand, chokes him, and we see all the bodyguards standing up and like not doing anything. So I guess they deemed it not a high enough threat level. Um, he's like, keep your daughter's name out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, Gravik pulls his hand out of the knife and we see it just heal with that red heat that is characteristically extremist. So apparently he's already got that power. And yes, yeah. so what's Gravik? Which mm. makes sense given his position, right? He wants to be uh, invulnerable uh, as he's right. re- you know, rolling out this plan. So knowing I would that start with that one too. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a smart one so that he can. Uh, it's hard to kill, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, as we leave, we get a little like espionage subterfuge where uh, we see an older gentleman bump into Talos and um, we figure out in a minute it's Gaia in disguise. Uh, but the guy drops a phone and that's the phone that Gaia had entered the bomb oh, intel on. And then we see we see that older man like squeeze around the back of the bus that Gravik gets caught behind. I totally and didn't then, understand this scene. I was so yeah. confused by it. You just thank you. And now I understand what, what's Yeah, going And then on. we see Gaia, she just switches back and she's standing there as herself next to the car. And we yes. can see behind her the guy she was pretending to be, but he's on the phone. So, yes. you know, right. yeah. So that was her who <sighs> okay. dropped the phone. Yeah. Got it. That was Jeez. well done. I, I like that. Because yeah. the whole van, the van stopping in front of him and all that, I was like, what's going on? I thought, did he get Yeah. Taken or hit, rewound and played a few times. Yeah. All right. right. Well, okay. So not not great then from a production standpoint. If if it wasn't that apparent, I picked it up. I don't know. Did you? I picked it up in the scene. I I picked it up. I'm like, oh yeah. I I like when they make it. As soon as she dropped the phone, as soon as the phone dropped, I was like, oh okay, okay. That's the same phone. I got it. I I picked it up. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. I just I assumed that she handed it off to somebody else. But anyway, yeah. Okay. So I'm just being thick. That's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people, yeah, might not have. Um, yeah. And then we get we get the confrontation between uh, Talos and Fury. And I guess this is their first confrontation since the train scene, which he refers to as yeah. yesterday. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it felt like more time. But okay, I guess it's only been a day since he kicked him off the train in the right. middle of right. Russia. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Balls to ask for a favor after what you said yesterday. Like, yeah, what about the kicking you off the train part? <laughs> Yeah, a lot happened. I mean, Fury has gone to see uh, Priscilla, Vara, where is she? And then, you know, here. So there's a lot of jetpacking happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And and he refers to an English fry up as dog food, even though we saw him making basically the same thing like a few scenes before. I'm hungry. I'm looking at the scene right now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean dog food? What is that? I was very upset about that comment. On behalf of all of our uh, um, uh, British and Commonwealth subjects who uh, listeners who who uh, uh, eat a, a good English breakfast. I defend you. <laughs> there we go. But have you guys noticed there's a lot of dog references? Like they, you know, we yeah. have yeah. Talos talking about the dog later, and they uh, we had Gravik talking about uh, better to be a dog last episode. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe um, maybe, uh, maybe what's the dogs face? will be saved. Yeah, maybe the dogs will be saved. Maybe um, Brian Tucker is a big dog fan, the writer. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and um, Fury, he says he has a lead on a rebel scroll high up in the U.S. government here in London. And this is where I'm thinking, like, lead from whom? And then, uh, and who is the rebel scroll? So I'm thinking, like, is the scroll Fury? I mean, sorry, is the scroll Rhodey? And uh, he got this information from his wife off screen. Like they're just playing with us like they played with us last episode and made us think maybe he didn't know she was a scroll. Maybe they're doing that again. 
Um, because otherwise, I don't know, do you have any other ideas who's giving him leads and who the lead is about? I don't. That this is this is one that that completely um, I'm I'm ignorant to. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't see. I, I I don't think it's. I don't think it's Rody. Um, no, be, certainly not Rody. Yeah, I don't Why? Think Why don't you think it's Rody? Well, they just. I mean, they had the big uh, argument, and and he got fired, and you know, so yeah. But then maybe he his wife told him. By the way, the guy who just called me on the phone is Rody. Mm, I, I mean, still... that, because he's he is working with some scrolls. We know Rhodey is working with some scrolls. Right. Well, that's right. who we hear right. on the phone at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. right. So, my initial reaction was not Rhodey, and yeah, I I don't know who she's working for, or who she's working with. I should say not for. But we know that she is now under her own motivations. She's not sublimated. She's not subsumed her motivations to fury uh, fury but we don't know, know that we right but, know but that. she yeah. we do because she the, the point i'm making is is that she said i've now become the person i was before so what yeah. are her initial motivations that existed prior to being co-opted as a spy for nick fury what right. are her, i mean that that to me I, is the interesting yeah. question i hope i hope that line carried some weight but i think that my my opinion at this point, and we'll see how it turns out, is that she's working on Fury's behalf during that final scene we see play out. Hmm. Right. Which the that that's the question is is what is our what are her motivations? Right. Mm-hmm. And they left it a, a, a purposely uh, ambiguous. Ambiguous. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, F- Fury. He's he's got everyone mad at him this episode, including me. <laughs> well deserved. Um, yeah, and I love that Talos says to Fury, "Use your words," which is like because we had earlier where he says to his wife, "Like, oh, um, just ask me if you want an apology." Like, why does she have to ask? Right. And now, right. and now it's like Talos is like, you know, you're gonna have to say something to me. In the next scene, Sonya's like, you know, you uh, owe me an apology, and <laughs> I don't care how many people you've already apologized to. I owe, I'm owed one. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that's interesting. If we see like Fury go on a journey where he starts to realize more how his behavior affects other people, that's what I don't I'm hoping know. for. I don't know. I don't know if Nick Fury will get to that point where mm. he's where he's saying to himself like, "Oh, you know, I have to start treating people better." I think his whole raison d'être is to to protect the Earth, right? No matter mm-hmm. what, no matter right. who gets hurt, no, no matter, apologies. Yeah, yeah, no no quarter, no apologies. Um, so I don't know if he'll get to the point where he's, he's saying, you know, my actions here were so bad and I've hurt so many people in order to save the world. I don't think yeah. he'll get there. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Well, we, we see him at least give a little bit at this point, even though he backtracks on this point uh, later in the episode, but he, he will say, cause I'm useless without you to tell us. Right. <laughs> even though he accuses him of causing poop. For him to pick up <laughs> the word poop makes me laugh <laughs> i'm an adult but yeah so sonia also wants an apology um because he put the bug on hoot's eye and we get the most adorable little <laughs> owl eye patch i don't know why the owl needs an eye patch if it's just to remind her of fury but i'm for it I'm a, well i'm, I'm glad all... that she's got a craft department in her office where she can just call down and says okay here's the dimensions of an I eye, eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> like what like, sonia want today what whim yeah, exactly. can we satisfy <laughs> and who drinks wine at work uh, sonia does 
apparently. She's got a bottle and a glass out there. I was like, dang, I cannot, I can't work and drink at the same time. Listen, she's having a a rough day. She's having, she's having a rough day. (laughs) She found out like not only have the scrolls infiltrated um, this, you know, this base, this Royal Navy base and the Neptune sub, um, but they've also, you know, she's, she knows that someone gave up their location at the butcher shop last episode. Right, right. And we see her looking at the folder of this uh, ginger bearded right. guy played by Tony Curran. And that's that's the same guy she was talking to on uh, when we saw uh, Nick Fury bug the conversation in the first episode. OK. Oh, uh, yes. OK. So I'm wondering if we'll probably see more of him in the last uh, half of this, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, so he's likely the inside man at the butcher shop. Okay. Um, and by the way, he was already in the he was already in the um, MCU. He played Bor, Odin's uh, father, in Thor: the, the Dark World. So he joins the ranks of actors who have played two roles in the MCU. Got to get that. Um, uh, Got to get those contracts. Got to get on the gravy. <laughs> Not mad at it. And uh, this far too short scene with Sonya ends with her telling the name of the sub captain Commodore Robert Fairbanks, aka as he shall be known for the rest of the episode, Bob. Bob, yes. <laughs> I have a friend named Bob who was listening to this and the whole time was like, stop, stop talking to me that way, Fury. <laughs> Funny. All right, well, uh, let's take a, I think it's a good time to take a quick break. So let's do that. And then when we are back, we will finish up the episode and then get into the comics corner. And we're back. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about Bob. All about Bob. Yeah, we we get that uh, car conversation we referred to earlier first on the way there, where like uh, Fury is talking about cleaning up Talos's poop, and Talos is like, actually, we are the scrolls. We made you what you are. Yeah. And we find out that there are twenty in the original spy network. So I have to give that to Nick that like a million is a big jump up. Right. <laughs> and I th- yeah, I thought this was interesting. Deeper level of the show. This is interesting stuff. Is Nick Fury really all that? He's good, no doubt. Is he mm. as good as we think he is? Good question. Not sure. And I like that they're poking holes in the edifice of of Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. And I do. He's like defensive, and it annoyed me. But it also seems really realistic. You know, all these people are coming at him, and he's just you know, and uh, demanding apologies and telling him what he's done wrong and how he's hurt them. And that's a lot for someone to take on. So mm-hmm. I'm. Ho- I'm hoping this is like, you know, we have this defensive reaction, like uh, during this speech, he's just like, yeah, we're here in front of Bob's house, but you're just wasting your your mouth blabbering about uh, friendship. (laughs) 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 Um, So I have to, yeah, I have to hope this is like, this is, yeah, a journey that's going to, we're going to see play out over the next three episodes where uh, Nick, Nick becomes more aware of the other people in his life. Right. But yeah, so we see Talos going inside uh, and it's working until his cover is blown by someone who just saw Bob. And then we find out like basically all this security of scrolls because Nick's just like firing and just killing left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a glimpse of Talos. He peeks in and he sees that teenage boy, Zachary, uh, mm-hmm. gaming and then leaves him there. But part of me wondered if that was already like Bob pretending to be Talos, just checking on his son. Because the next thing we hear is Talos' voice on the radio saying Nick, and Fury's immediately like, he, Talos does not call me Nick, and he enters the room gun first uh, 
and the Bob confrontation begins. So are you saying that there, so walk me through that a little bit more. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's just a thought like that just, we know at some point that Bob was in either, either Talos called him Nick to alert him Mm -hmm. or Bob was imitating Talos. Was it just a voice or was he pretending to be him altogether? I don't Mm -hmm. know. I I think, yeah, there's just, uh, there's an extra layer here that plays into what happens with Gaia later also where, you know, scrolls can also pretend to be other scrolls. So um, at what points might we find out that's been going on? And for Talos to get got, right? What did he do to, how did that screw up? Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. Presumably he had the, he had the advantage of surprise, except for the knocking out all the guards. That's probably noticeable. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Nick, like, or maybe it's to, uh, t- to differentiate between, you know, Talos leaves the teen alone and Nick comes in with him at gunpoint, like threatening him. And it, I personally found he he took the teen threatening a little bit too far. Like it really felt like he might hurt the kid. I don't know. Do you think, John, do you think he would have done it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think Nick Fury bluffs. Yeah. He would have done it. He would have done it. That's that's the whole thing with, with, with Fury, whatever he has to do, right? Whatever he has to do, whoever he has to use. Right. I mean, yeah, whatever. I I don't like it, but it does work. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, because yeah, apparently this, this scroll loves uh, his presumably human, you know, son, this real son of, uh, the man he's, he's uh, copying. So that, yeah, is that, and that's where we were talking about that idea of like, is love wrapped up in memories? Mm, what, what is yeah. love? What is love? There you go. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that one's definitely a song. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I, the last time we see the kid is like he's tied up and like Talos is leaning against him and uh, and says like here's a sip of water to calm your nerves and I had to laugh I was like is there vodka in that water like what I know right <laughs> like what's in the water Come on. and then we don't know at the end of the episode what happened to the kid like is he still tied up in the kitchen did he get a debrief or is he just traumatized for life now like yeah. <laughs> right yeah that's it I think I think it's the last part he's traumatized for life yeah well c- presumably this um, Bob is among those that are being held by the scrolls, right? We yes. saw, we see him yes. later. Yeah, we see him, yeah. right? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Good. I'm glad I didn't wasn't imagining that. So, yeah, the kid is, yeah, it's gonna mess up the kid for a while. Yeah, and we get uh, we get a nice game of good cop, bad cop um, uh, with with Telos and and uh, Nick Fury, and like Fury is like, tell me what the code is, or I'll blow out your purple brains. Or Talos is more like, I'll protect you from Gravik. And Bob rightfully points out, like, dude. You can't even protect yourself. I just disarmed you literally 10 seconds ago. <laughs> and we find out also that Gravik had offered Talos a partnership before he took over. Uh, you know, Bob says, you created this vacuum. All Gravik did was fill it, which seems mm. like very complacent, like excusing yourself line to me. But we find out later Talos chose Nick. Yes. And and that's the thing, right? I, I, I In choosing Nick Fury, did Talos you know, turn his back on what his original mission was. Right. Right. He's running missions for, for Nick, but what's the original mission? What's your original goal is to find, you know, your people, a home world. And now there's a million of you here. Is that mission no longer um, viable? Right. Which is why graphic is saying, well, since we're not going anywhere, we might as well take this whole shit over. <laughs> well, yeah, Bob is the only one who knows the code word. <clears throat> He's not giving it up, even when Fury shoots him in the knee and says, enough of this bull, which 
I really felt him not cursing there. And like also the poop thing. And like when he says like truth is a mother dog. Yeah, they're keeping it. They keep yeah. it at 13. They are. But it's like are. almost sorry. Like, don't even Apologies. tease me because it just makes me think about how you're making this man hold back. <laughs> yeah. So tell us he takes the gun before Fury can kill another scroll, but his face is like red and, sh- and shaking with anger. And then, yeah, Bob insults Gaia and boom, game over. So maybe Talos really has changed what he said last episode. Yeah, that's the first that's the first scroll that we've seen him deal with in that way. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's gone. He's bent over backwards not to kill other scrolls up to this point. Yep. Yeah. And it's it seems like it's a thing to to not do that. Right. That that uh, Gravik had the one guy taken out. That seemed like a big momentous thing. Right. Well, yeah, and then Gravik sh- shoots another skull at the end of this episode, but <laughs> right, right, but, but, but like we're Talos, crossing lines, yeah. right? The the right. idea is is that now it's really scroll on scroll in some ways, right. where uh, and now now what lines have been crossed that then you can't come back from? Right. Wasn't that a uh, where was that? Oh, maybe that was a different show. I'm just thinking of that. That's a, a thematic element in some stories. Is is what do you have to do, and can you come back from from that? Right, right, and th- and this you know, pokes holes into Gravik's whole reasoning of why humans don't deserve the earth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Compare and contrast here. Right. Yeah. So then uh, we, we also, during this time, this is intercut with this uh, scene of, of like the submarine command uh, control. And we have the Lieutenant commander being questioned by human captain about the target. But uh, ultimately, you know, he gets him to back down when he's, he wants to contract, uh, sorry, contact CENTCOM, but a, Eventually, he's like, well, you know, you're questioning authority. I'll just kick you off. And he's going to go for it. He's going to do like the double turn until Gaia in the quest, we'll talk about in just a minute, liberates the passcode just in time. And we see Hagen try to still like push the command through, try to turn the key and the captain stops him. So and that captain has like a look on his face, like, what the fuck are you doing? So we have to assume Hagen is definitely has his cover blown and uh, might be arrested or might be fighting his way out of this scene next time. Right. But he's on a sub. Where is he going to fight? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he on a sub or is he controlling it from the base in Scotland? I, I assume that this was supposed to be a submarine. Yeah, I that, thought he was that, on the okay. sub. Yeah, this is on okay. the sub, which is what I was complaining about from a production standpoint because it doesn't look like a sub. Well, maybe it just not. looks like a, a room. I thought that anyway. they were on that base because we saw them go in the, to that base in Scotland and then, then suddenly the he's in front in of the background. control. The sub oh, was in the okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So then, yeah. So while all this is going on, you know, Talos, he's called Gaia and, um, and, and we get this like cold, what is it? Um, and yeah, she runs to find the passcode, disable some guard, definitely blowing her cover. So I'm like, why not shapeshift into a, a somebody else? But fine. And then we see in scroll victim storage, we get the FXN anchor. We have the prime minister. We have the scientist lady and we have the real Bob and, uh, she stops in front of the real Bob's like sort of desktop pensive oh, right. yeah. like memory right. mirror thing, that's right. and f- see that he's. I kind of forgotten lot. about that. That's how they got the code. Yeah, so no, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. So he's thinking a lot about his son, and so she's like, "The code word is Zachary," which works. Which come on, that's like worse than that's using terrible. your pet's <laughs> name. Terrible <laughs> code. <laughs> <laughs> <Can> terrible. <you> <laughs> Easily, easily fished. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jean, I know you. You, I said before that you had questions about like how long she's been working with uh, with Talos, and I do too. Yeah, like, is it is it a recent development? Did is, it just happen in this episode? What right. we saw with the phone, or exactly? Yeah. So that that 
I guess won't be answered. <laughs> that question yeah. won't be answered. But I was just really, you know, wondering how long have, you know, father and daughter been on on the same team. Yeah, and they and they we see chaos start to go off around the scroll base, and so we see like a lady I don't recognize who is in front of some computers alerting about unauthorized phone com breach and goes running. So I'm wondering if they showed us that for a reason, if we're supposed to recognize that lady in future episodes or that room. Yeah, and meanwhile, Talos and Fury load up scroll corpses, including poor Bob. Poor Bob. Uh-huh. <laughs> good night, Bob. <laughs> yeah, good night, Bob. And then, yeah, the, the Gaia goes on her great escape, motorcycle, no headlight, dead of night, guardhouse, suspiciously empty. And she's like, hmm, well, guess I better get going. And so we get a graphic with a what you up to there, Gaia. Mm. And she, she's got another, this this lie, I, I think, is a little faster in her feet than the one she gave in, in the not a bedroom bedroom earlier. And she's like, yeah, it's a f- I heard about the failed strike. Men need extraction, which good point. Like, <laughs> are you going to extract those men or not? <laughs> yeah. On a, on a motorbike with no headlights in the, in the uh, Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Very. Uh, and yeah, Gravik says, didn't fail. The plane would have been valuable, but finding the traitor is even more valuable. So yeah. And then she, he's like, turn around. And she says, I like this part. She's like, you will look at me and asks if he's the leader of scrolls or our worst enemy. And pow, uh, we see this woman in scroll form, uh, but we know we're going to see more guy on the show. So the question is, did she take some super scroll abilities? Is uh-huh. it someone posing as Gaia? What do you think, Sean? Um, there are a lot of, of rumors uh, around that Gaia is gone, but Emil Clark is not. So okay. the question of whose face is Gaia wearing? Um, some people believe that Amelia Clark is going to be playing the role of Abigail Brand in the MCU. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's true or not, so I'm not saying this is happening, but um, that's one of the theories out there. And this is a way to bring that character into the MCU proper. She's uh, you know, half alien, half human. She's a mutant. She's uh, uh, can speak virtually any language, alien language, you know, human language. She has you know, firepowers again, which aligns to some of the things that are going on in the show. Um, she was a commander of the Peak Station, which could be in the comics, could be Saber in the MCU. She worked for Sword, which is a sister organization to Shield. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, interesting parallels to be made, but we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. Okay. I mean, I really, I hope that they didn't kill the character of Gaia, but I mean, I'm happy if Amelia Clark's around still, but uh, I still would call it a fridging if they kill Talos' daughter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And then we get, uh, speaking of the other woman in danger, we get uh, Varsilla in a room full of plants. So something going on with her and the plants, but they're definitely human plants, not scroll plants. So I'm wondering if that's just... Is it me or I I thought there was something about her backstory as being a, a botanist scientist type person. I mean, that's that's what it appears to be. So yeah. I guess, yeah. And then we had the whole thing of uh, scrolls uh, at the beginning, the first episode. Yes. Right. With Beto mm-hmm. saying, oh, like, where did you get this? So we grow all scroll stuff. So is she... Yeah. Is she involved in that? Is that her thing too? You know, when she yeah. says, oh, I'm, I'm back to who I was... 
is that her passion? Is that her life? Is that, you know, what she's I mean, about? apparently that was Soren's thing, Talos's wife. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe they worked on it together. Yeah, um, that's a good right. point. Yeah. But she's, she's surrounded by like earth plants. So yeah, that's, so that. maybe she's learning from them. I don't know. And something right. interesting. But yeah, she gets a message, looks bummed about it, takes a key out of a jar. She goes to a train station, I guess, to go somewhere else, to another city. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like where is she going? But she's there's a man watching her and she clocks him. So I don't yeah. know if it's, that's just adding to paranoia or if that's going to turn out to be somebody in particular. And then, uh, yeah, she has to go to like one of those places with the fancy lock boxes where you need a staff member with a second key to open it. And indeed, there's just like that freaking gun inside. <laughs> and then the, it, the episode ends with a phone call. We hear Rhodey's voice say, St. James Church in one hour. No, you can't speak to Gravik. You're talking to me. So, and is it Rhodey's voice? I mean, is it, it Rhodey or just Rhodey's yeah, voice? Exactly. Oh, exactly. yeah. Good question. Right. Good question. You would think, I mean, then that would mean that she would have only had contact with him over the phone, which is possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole thing is deliberately obfuscating the 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 truth, right? They're the the whole show is trying to get us uh, keep us on our toes, right? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, all right, how, how are you guys feeling any differently about the episode after breaking it down? I, I think I'm the same. The, the again, the <clears throat> the under levels of the plot and the characters, interesting surface level plotting. Uh, what what did you say, Alicia? What was it? Um, uh, execution um, versus articulation. Like, or yeah, like the, the intention versus like the articulation. Articul- right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel that I'm in the same place. Uh, I yeah. get, there's really cool stuff going on and they're just fumbling it a little bit. on a. It's, it's a mid-rate show in all other senses of, of production. So there we go. Yeah, I, I'm still um, annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still annoyed. Uh, Do you want to roll I, your annoyance straight into your comics corner? Yeah, yeah, uh, let, let's do that. But first, okay. Alicia, how do you feel about it after we've gone um, through it? I mean, I've, I've like, as I go, I, I hear from a lot of people who did really enjoy it. And so I'm, I'm trying to look at it from their perspective and take that out of it. It's still, it comes down to, again, just what's going to happen next. If there's, if this, all, all these people dying without having their characters developed, if that's going to pay off, then okay, I'll reserve judgment until I see how this series ends. Right. But right now I'm seeing some red flags that are making me just a little worried about how especially women on the show are handled, but just also some of like the superficiality of the, some of the dialogue, even though you can tell like the Kyle Bradstreet showrunner laying these deeper layers of, of, you know, all, all of these things that have been so fun to break down with right, in terms right. of um, right. uh, the, the factions within factions and, you know, who owes what to whom and all those things, the interpersonal stuff. Right. All right, Jean. So what do you got for us for Comics Corner? This so week? this is, this is uh, another thing that, that's annoying me in that in, in both um, Secret Invasion um, comic stories, the humans the earthlings were able to figure out a way to detect who is a scroll and who is not a scroll. Uh-huh. Um, we're now three episodes in and there is no hint that there is anyone working on a solution to that problem. Okay. Which is and again a reason why I feel that Fury not calling in favors. Uh-huh. is a disservice to him and a disservice to the story. Okay. Like, 
this is 35 years in, and I'm meant to believe that Nick Fury or S.H.I.E.L.D. or MI6 or whoever else the U.S. government never thought of a way to determine if someone is a scroll or not. Um, in the first um, Secret Invasion, Mr. Fantastic... You cut off their finger. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? Um, Mr. Fantastic, uh, along with, again, Abigail Brand, <laughs> who's, who actually saved him um, when he was captured um, by the Skrulls, he developed a device that could tell who was a Skrull and who was not a Skrull. Okay. In the, 23, um, the 2023 comic, Maria Hill um, devised that if you heat up uh, Skrull blood and human blood, um, the Skrull blood will revert back to its green state. Okay. So okay. there is a way in the comics for people to tell and, and that hasn't happened in the show yet. So I'm wondering why um, uh-huh. and I'm wondering if that will be remedied at some point. Fair enough. We'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, yeah. I think it's an it's an important thing. I, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't get why we they're not even talking about that. Uh huh. Like, there's not been a conversation about how do we figure out who is. Right, a and Rhodey even says in the conversation, um, you know, I was part of a presentation X number of years ago where yes. we right. learned about this stuff. Uh, right. Okay. So they've had 15 years to... Yeah, right. the paranoia right. of the U.S. government. Uh, we got to figure this out. And so where are the scientists doing this work? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Makes sense. And so let's see if that, if that gets um, remedied or not. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we've got three more to go let's fingers crossed they can land the plane yeah um and that we don't get crashed into a dumpster that's already on fire take the plane off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um all right so just a quick thank you and shout out to our patreon lore master supporters samartian cyrus mark h michael g michelle e david w brian p nick w sc peter oh Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Joyce E, and Andra B. Thank you all so very much. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We're sending you a cool thank you gift at the end of July to um, just appreciate you for all the support that you've given us to the ability to continue to improve and enlarge our podcasting repertoire. Um, it's going to be a cool thank you gift. Uh, it's, it's our old logo. It's got our little lion and, and um, uh, rabbit uh, icons. And we had some uh, an elvish phrase translated and then digitally hand-drawn. Uh, so I just got the final approval from the print shop and they're sending me some samples. So I'm pretty excited. It's going to turn out really nice for July. We have we'll shift dust is developing on its own. Alicia, we talked about it a little bit at the end, but what are the key things that people should do or look for? Yeah. So we, uh, we have some bonus episodes coming in the main feed okay. and then the main feed will again be active, um, later this summer when we begin our series about Dune and, uh, Dune, the books and the adaptations. And, um, yeah, exciting there. <laughs> 
Um, and for Silo fans, in the meantime, we're starting the Silo Book Club on Patreon, which is uh, you can go to patreon.com slash woolshiftdust and you'll see all the information there. We're going to be releasing episodes every two weeks, uh, first covering the books and then rewatching the first season two episodes at a time, just going all in on the book spoilers with uh, one of the experts of you know, silo, the silo world. Question, are you for the Woolshift Dust Book Club stuff? Is that going to be, you have to, are you going to, there's going to be no public feed. It's only going to be high. Right. Patreon. It's only, yeah, it's an exclusive feed. And uh, okay, we're cool. asking a small, the basically the minimum Patreon fee per episode um, because we don't want to charge during months where we're not producing content in that feed. So okay. it's just a paper episode sort of thing. Okay, um, cool. All right, great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. In also in affiliate news, we have a, a new podcast uh, under the Lorehound umbrella, and that's called Properly Howard. And that is uh, Anthony, who you may know from Double Dragon and Electric Bookaloo. Uh, he and Steve have revamped their Cocoons of Horror podcast. That's a lot. Just know that we've got a stand-up comic and a theologian, and they talk about movies. <laughs> and this season, they're talking about all kinds of uh, remakes. So coming up next on their feed, and you can just search for Properly Howard or check us out on our website at lorehounds.com and they'll be listed there as well. They're going to be covering, they just covered Howard the Duck, which is a really funny movie. It has got some good, if you're an MCU person, they talk about the MCU tie-ins with that. And then they're going to be doing White Men Can't Jump. And then we're going to be doing a Dune conversation as well, which Alicia, you and I will will be on that um, right. to talk about the... Uh, Repping the book readers, right? Yes. Uh, and we'll be talking about the 2021 movie sort of in front of the uh, part two coming out. And then they've got a whole slate of other things uh, for the rest of the season. So check that podcast out. Otherwise, on the Lorehounds main feed... We're about to drop an episode on the uh, Lorehounds one-shot on Asteroid City. Uh, Anthony and John and I are going to be talking about the latest Wes Anderson film. And then at the either at the end of the month or the beginning of August, we're going to do a Barbenheimer uh, episode. We're calling all Lorehounds uh, members to assemble to see who's either seen the Barbie movie or the Oppenheimer movie, or both. And I think Alicia said you're, you're going to do both. Double feature or bust. Nice. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the, the Barbenheimer phenomena uh, of it all. We're starting, John and I are doing a full recap of Foundation. That starts, I believe, next on the 14th of uh, July. And we're going to be dropping full recap episodes weekly on that. And we have uh, an Ahsoka rec retrospective starting at the end of this month, which is going to um, get you prepped for the Ahsoka live series show. We still have Earthsea and Silmarillion stories. Those are coming up later this month. So we've got a packed July schedule. I counted up. I think we're doing something like 23 podcasts. And we have guest appearances on three. I don't know. It's craziness. Um, so <laughs> we keep the role, the, the Lorehounds content train just keeps rolling along. And if you feel like you want to support us in uh, all the work that we're doing, definitely check us out on the Patreon uh, site, uh, patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. All right, Jean, Alicia, thank you both uh, again. And we've got three more to go and uh, our fingers are crossed. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah. See you next episode, Gaia and Maria. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Until then. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. 
get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>